It's Alicia Cortez, and I have a tiny confession. Every day I've been on demon time because of all the idle time I have, and the devil works with idle hands. So I'm here to remind you to do something, anything that will push you forward, and to definitely tune in on Sundays to Call Us When You're Free's Instagram Live, hosted by Eric and Azim. This that new Kiki exclusive, y'all. Previously, but kind of for the long term whenever I was in high school and we settled in uh, George W. Bush's uh, hometown of Crawford, Texas and that's where I went to all of high school and then and then I moved to New York a couple years ago. Growing up in Peru, what what was sort of the impetus to come to the States? Well, my parents were missionaries so I was before I was born they lived in Mexico for a few years came back to have me I'm one of seven, so uh, and I'm in the very middle. So they they already had a few kids before I was born. But yeah, so once I was like nine, eight or nine, they just decided to to move on home, be a little closer to family, I think. And my dad still does like a ton of traveling, and so does my mom. But I think they wanted something a little more permanent in the U.S. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm one. I'm one of six. So I understand the the big family dynamic. Whoa. It doesn't seem like a lot of people when we're all around, but outside, mm-hmm. like again, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, it's so many people." But to me, it's like, "Oh no, this is <laughs> this is regular." Like we take up the whole aisle in the movie theaters, or at least pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. and we used to go in the car. Sometimes we have to get two cars to go to a place, you know, whenever mm-hmm. we're traveling. But do you yeah, have? Like we, just, we just keep it pushing. Do you have nieces and nephews? No, not yet. Um, I'm so I'm the second oldest, older sister who's two years older. So uh, we're not at that stage yet. <laughs> my family's yeah. Right. yeah. That's so interesting. We, uh, I have seven nieces and nephews. Ooh. I know, and I'm the middle child, but in Texas, like, people get married real young. Like, I'm 26, and I'm the oldest person in my family to have not been married. Mm. Or have That's kids. That's wild. Well, I mean, with that in mind, and also, like, mentioning that your parents were missionaries and, like, all of that, I don't know. It's just, like, to me, that seems like such a, I guess unique background to have come from or like unique living situation to have grown up in. But then at the same time for you, it's like having lived it and having grown up in it, it probably just feels like that's what the normal situation is. I'd be curious to hear how, how 
originally coming to the States and then also like going out on your own to New York, I would imagine that at certain points you came across culture clashes where you were like, oh, like I have a re- actually have a really unique vantage point on things because of my upbringing that, you know, maybe you wouldn't necessarily be able to anticipate how that would come up. I don't know if that question made sense, but I feel yeah. like you could just take the mic and say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Honestly, I feel like the biggest culture clash, and I want to start off by saying, Whenever it comes to, like, missionary kids, a lot of their experiences are, like, so different. So you can have, like, a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, and they're going to come back to the States and have, like, completely different thoughts about it. Some are, like, really bitter. Some are really grateful. Thankfully, I was someone that was very grateful for those experiences that I had. And I think it completely changed the way that I see people and how I build relationship with them. But the biggest culture clash for me was entering high school in a very small rural public high school. This is in in Texas? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, I think, I don't want to say anything negative about it, um, but it it was very hard for me to learn how to identify and communicate effectively with a lot of my peers at the time. I think that's for a multitude of reasons. I was also homeschooled for a long time, so I just read Jane Austen. So my vocabulary was so different than just, I think, probably most people that are in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was way more hard than like moving to New York. Was there anything in particular you were able to tap into to kind of overcome that and like grow more comfortable? Like I know you've, in past conversations, you've mentioned that you were into theater. So like, was that something that you tapped into around high school? In that context, or was that something else? I started doing theater really early just because I love stories and I love people and I love to be able to dive in and take this person or this character that I do not relate to on any level and I have nothing in common with and peel that onion until we find the kind of the humanity that connects us all. Mm. And that was something that I loved about theater and that's... Honestly, whenever I was talking to my peers, I started realizing that I was going into conversations with just a preconceived notion of what they already thought or what they already felt or what they already believed in, and that that wasn't fair. So I started kind of doing the same exercises that I would do whenever I would get a script to relate to a character that you don't have anything in common with, um, that I would do to my peers. And that was really a humbling experience and I realized that I was shutting myself off from a lot of really beautiful relationships because I had already decided what I thought they believed in or what they thought and that's that was on me like that's not on them yeah no that's right and that's definitely something I feel like I can relate to especially growing up in a big family it feels like you kind of already know what to expect from people because there are just multiple personalities that you're interacting with throughout the day. But then we forget the fact that, hey, these are multiple personalities that we're working with that were raised by the same people, you know? Mm-hmm. And giving people, this is a big thing for me. I've had so many people in my life give me the grace to grow when I didn't deserve it. And so I feel like for me personally, whenever I'm talking to someone, I'm like, you know what, this is where they're at right now, and I'm going to be the best version of myself, and I'm going to speak honestly and truthfully and give them that same grace and that same room to do that. 
because I think it's unfair, especially in, I don't know how to say this. I think a lot of schools for a long time did not teach critical thinking skills. And I think it's unfair as soon as someone turns 18 to all of a sudden get really mad at them for not having any critical thinking skills when they were not raised with them and they were not taught how to think that way. So just giving the grace of that and also realizing that for myself and always trying to sharpen that. With that in mind, like how... Because I feel like a lot of the process, right, in terms of growth, right, is really, it's less changing who you are and more so like unlearning aspects of yourself that don't feel true to who you are. And I would imagine that being a missionary kid, like there's, and I don't know how, you know, the specifics of sort of your parents' relationship with that kind of work, but I would just imagine there are, I mean, even in terms of what you said about, you know, not being married at your age compared to you know others in your family, like I would imagine there are certain traditional expectations I guess of how you would approach and like live your life like how were you able to find your individuality within that structure and like you know Mm -hmm. be able to you know not maybe say fuck you to everything that you're being taught and like isolate yourself from your family obviously but at the same time like still express yourself in a way that that felt true to yourself that's a really great question and I hope (laughs) I hope that I can answer this concisely and interesting way um So I think whenever I'm thinking about any sort of situation or the differences that me and any, any person have, um, but in relation to like my parents and, and my upbringing, I think there was a long time that I rebelled against that because even if my parents weren't the ones saying this, I felt for some reason, like, because I was a woman that grew up in this, um, like really Christian society, that there was a certain way that I was supposed to live my life or do things. And I didn't want that. And it took me a really long time before I realized that my parents actually never said any of those things to me. I just, for some reason, one day felt like that's what I was supposed to do and kind of put that on them. And that was not, that wasn't fair. So I had all this bitterness and this resentment for no reason, like that they didn't even do And now, whenever I'm thinking about the way I was raised, the way I grew up, even if my parents and I don't have, um, like, the exact same thinking whenever it comes to, um, whenever it comes to religion sometimes, there are so many wonderful, beautiful lessons that I learned growing up the way that I grew up that take some people years to learn. You know, I have, like, I meet some people that took them until, like, their 50s to learn those lessons, and I got to learn them when I was, like, 12. And that's really amazing and something that I hope never to take for granted and something that even whenever I'm in New York and I'm talking to some, like, corporate sales guy that makes, you know, just an obscene amount of money a year. And I have all of these like preconceived notions of what that person's probably like. I have to stop and tell myself, like, what can I learn from the situation? What can I take out of it? And if I am not taking anything out of it, that's probably on me a little bit. Like I'm probably not opening myself up enough to learn from them. So whenever it comes to like the way I was raised, I try not to think about it in ways of what do I disagree with? What do I not want to do the same as what they did? And more think about it in the way of, okay, I'm a little bit different here. I think a little bit differently in these ways, but 
these are really beautiful lessons that I can take with me and learn. And I try and do that everywhere, everywhere I go and in every relationship that I have. Yeah, that's beautiful. Do you feel like a lot of that understanding started happening when you moved to New York, where you were sort of privy and open to having or living within this general melting pot? No, I actually think it happened a lot earlier. New York definitely opened me up in in ways that I was honestly probably not prepared for and probably would have been way too scared to move there if I would have known. But I think that those things started shifting for me a lot earlier. And I think part of that is just I ask way too many questions and I always have like I used to get banned from asking questions in classes were you the kid that it, they were like oh anyone any more questions when they when you guys are going to go for a recess and you raise your hand were you that kid yeah I was the kid that people <laughs> would be like any more questions and they would be like anyone else anyone uh, besides damn. Savannah <laughs> but it's like that just means you have a general curiosity it's like how else are we supposed to figure this whole life thing out without dialoguing questions and especially if you were homeschooled too, like you probably felt the need to be able to ask questions or, or have that sense of clarification at all times. I know at least I would. Yeah. And like my mom was really great about it whenever I was homeschooled. I'm mainly mm. talking about like whenever I got to high school. No, no, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like college. But I remember because of like I was homeschooled, I don't think there, there was never anything that was like intentionally not taught to me. There are just some things that, like, you just don't think about day to day whenever you're living in a very specific environment, you know? And I remember in high school, and I wasn't thinking about anything in terms of politics, like, at all. And my high school was super, super conservative. I was raised, like, really conservatively. But I just wasn't thinking of anything in terms of, like, what would be, like, liberal or what would be progressive or what would be conservative or anything like Mm. that. And one day, we're, like, learning about Christopher Columbus. My birthday is on Columbus Day, and I always really prided myself on that. I don't know why, but, like, I learned about that in second grade. Because of the way history is taught, yep. Yes. So in second grade, I was like, oh, my God, my birthday's on Columbus Day. And I would brag about it, like, every year. And in high school, and it's almost embarrassing that it took until high school, I read this thing about Columbus Day. I was aghast. I could not believe it like I thought it was a lie so I go to the library because I like research pull up all these books on Columbus Day I am shocked to my core at like 16 and I also was like 16 like I didn't have a cell phone or anything like I'm not mm-hmm. looking, like the Googling access to stuff. information was just not there yet yeah so I am appalled I come to school y'all I like literally thought that I was about to single-handedly whistleblow Christopher Columbus. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm about to case. turn this shit around. <laughs> I was like, no one knows. Like, literally no one knows. I just found out he's we're going to get it, this shit taken yeah. care of. <laughs> no more Columbus Day, guys. It's interesting <laughs> you say that, too. We were um, talking to our friend Glenn. He is doing um, this AR project essentially based on like retelling history and Mm -hmm. one of the focuses was essentially letting people know the real history of columbus you know because it's like growing up we were in the classrooms coloring the boats (laughs) you know what i mean like christopher columbus boats and that it's really really weird when you get to this point in life where it's like okay whoa that that was just completely unnecessary so it's like that was a huge unlearning moment 
for me. So I can imagine for you, especially as someone who likes to inquire and sort of. Yeah, that was like, I remember that. So there's a few instances of a few things in my life. Like, I think a lot of other things you like your lessons kind of build on each other gradually, Mm -hmm. but like few specific moments where I was like, would go home and open, like, swing open the door and be like, did y'all know? <laughs> like, were you aware? And I remember going to my principal's office, and you know how, like, you hate the kid that asks another question that gets, like, another quiz grade added, like, on, or, like, another quiz question added on? I was trying to cancel Columbus Day. I was trying to cancel yes, a yes. day off for my school. So those kids were not about that. And uh, neither was my principal. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, so I I felt I didn't know that the rest of the world already knew about it, you know? So I was like terrified walking into that principal's office, like with my research, like I have evidence. Well, I mean, first off, shout out to Indigenous Peoples Day for allowing us to keep the oh, holiday, facts. but still pushing back mm-hmm. against Christopher Columbus and that narrative. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I feel like that speaks to the fact, though, that like when you're younger, especially, and like when you're, you know, maybe more idealistic or more empathetic, you find out certain things and you're like, well, this doesn't make sense because if you knew you this information, you're way, still yeah. doing it. You mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like you just assume that if someone you, you assume that the intention must be good, they must just be ignorant of it. And then you're like, oh, they're not ignorant of it. They just have other intentions. And like that in some ways, then like fucks your mind up even more where you're like, oh, wow. OK, so like everybody knew this and y'all are still out here like celebrating this person, you know, which can be a, it's like you're not doing it from a place if you don't have the information. You have the information. You just don't care about the information, you know, which is. On my folks sometimes. I also feel yeah. like before we continue around along this route of conversation, we should probably pause for a moment because we're a, a ways into the conversation and we haven't actually done introductions. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to You Free, our communal podcast. You got Ozim on the mic. You already heard Eric. And who are we speaking with? Uh, I almost introduced myself as a different name because I thought it would be funny, but my name is Savannah Cooper. <laughs> Wait, now you got to give the name that you almost introduced yourself with. I was going to say I was Nikita, and then I was like, oh, I can't even make that joke. She was already on your podcast. <laughs> Shouts out to Nikita. I, know, I was like, in case I fuck up, I want somebody else to take the fall for this. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. The funny thing, too, it's like when we assess and reflect back on like history being taught, to my understanding, like in Texas, you guys learn Texas history, too, correct? Oh, man. I got I got banned from asking questions for the rest of a semester in my freshman Texas history what? college class. Oh, story time, please. Oh, I remember this so oh so vividly. So <clears throat> I go into Texas history in college. Again, I'm not thinking about these issues as like political issues. I'm thinking about these issues as like human rights issues. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still at that point, not associating myself really with like one side or another. No, you're just a free thinker. So I start like, we had a segment in class on capital punishment because everyone's state's laws are a little bit different. So we're going over capital punishment for Texas. Whenever I go in, I'm going to be honest because I think it's important to be honest where you started out from and not just like everyone pretending like they've always been had all of this information the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into that class thinking that I was not pro capital punishment, but like I'd never really thought about it. And I was probably like, well, if they're really bad, I don't know. 
I got like halfway through that class and I kept asking her all these questions because all these things were not, they weren't adding up. And she basically was like, one day kind of snapped at me and was like, Savannah, if you want to know this, you got to go look it up on your own. Like we can't keep spending like all the class time answering your questions, which fair enough. But the problem was I did go look it up on my own. And I came back the next class with all of this like highlighted portions of the textbook. And she had said like, if you like look it up on your own, you can come back with like specific questions in relation to specific demographics or specific statistics. And I was like, all right, so I did that. Come back the next time. And I'm not trying to be rebellious. Like I think like a Zim can attest, like I'm not a rebellious person. I don't like to stir the pot. I don't like to be like rude to authority figures. I'm way too passive for that. It just didn't make sense. You're just truth seeking. So I come back and I was like, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I basically brought out all the information. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this doesn't add up. It doesn't add up morally, (laughs) ethically, by like the demographics of the peoples that are going through this process, the ones that have been exonerated, the reasons those specific people that got exonerated got exonerated and these other peoples didn't. Also, like, the cost. Like, none of it made sense to me. And she snapped and in front of the class said, if someone murdered my son, I would want to watch as, like, like, the needle went into their arm. And I got very calm and I don't even understand how like an 18 year old talking to like a woman in her mid fifties could be having this conversation. And I said, we should not create federal Mm -hmm. or state laws based on what we personally would do on our worst day. Damn. Yeah, that's a bar. (laughs) I was never allowed to ask a question again in that class. And probably it's because you were you were sort of unpacking all of her truths and things that she generally believed too. So that's probably where a lot of the the conflict came from. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like it's someone who considers themselves an expert on a topic or just like is coming from a particular vantage point. It's like you're a teacher. It has to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's like you're a teacher, but at the same time, like because you're a teacher, you don't you feel like there's nothing on your end for you to learn. And it's like, if your truth is being questioned, then it becomes shaky. And it's like, okay, let's just shut this person up and have them not contribute to the conversation instead of doing the work on that person's end of being like, why do I think the way that I think? Why am I not asking questions? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's clearly those types of interactions. We often see that the person who considers themselves an expert on a topic with that comes like a fear of not being the expert. Yeah. I think sometimes also, Like, this is something that I realized. I started having a lot more grace whenever I was, like, having these conversations and getting, trying to remain a little calmer whenever I'm talking to, like, family members or friends or just, you know, anyone in general. But I think, like, sometimes these things are not just, like, opinions that people have, but they have tied them to their identity. Yes. So, and when that happens and anything gets rattled, like, and you think that you're rattling, like, you know, one branch... It is like tremoring the entire root system of their entire identity because it's all wrapped up in each other. And if this one thing is maybe wrong, then what if this other thing is wrong? And then that means, and then it's just kind of this domino effect of their entire belief system crumbling a little bit. 
or people feeling like they've just been living a lie. I'd be curious um, to see if you guys would be able to have a conversation down the line uh, seven to eight years later, just to see if you had an impact on the individual um, as a teacher, if you made her rethink some things on her end. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. And honestly, I don't want to speak for her. I feel like the answer is probably like, no. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's <You> know? real. <laughs> she that's probably was just like, this kid's annoying and yeah. like whatever. And she might remember how she's had annoying kids in the past. But I think it's it's also interesting whenever I'm talking to someone and I can tell that they're like really struggling with something and I'm just like flippantly making remarks about it, you know, mm-hmm. I pause and I'm like, okay, what if this is a moment in their life that they're going to remember later on? You know, I don't want to be that person. I want to take the time, even if it's not important to me, even if I don't really care about this issue or, you know, this hasn't been weighing on me and try and unpack that as much as I can. Well, I feel like I feel like that speaks to that's part of the reason why you're someone who is like very easy to have a conversation with. Like you you come across as empathetic. So people feel comfortable opening up with you. Um, so I'm imagine I've imagined you've just had like really cool, dope conversations with strangers. Like I don't, that's the vibe that I get from you is that like, you know, you just like walking down the street, you start talking to someone and just like they'll just open up and tell you their life story. I don't know if that has been the case for you, but that's certainly the vibe that you give off. Yeah, I do. I do. That is the case for me. I don't know. I don't want to say it's because like I'm more empathetic or anything else than anyone else. I Just like usually, someone who's empathetic would say. <laughs> I usually make a joke about how it's because of my big cheeks makes me seem like, like more approachable. But I do. I like learning about people. I like mm-hmm. hearing their stories. I like um, I've always loved languages because it's so not sad, but it's sad to me if there's someone that has that I could have like so much in common with or speak so uh, like have so much to talk about with. And then like my lack of like knowing a certain language is hindering for me to get to know that person. So, like, I've always tried to, like, I know a little bit of, like, Spanish, and I try and, like, learn a little bit to of a lot of different things to be able to communicate with people. But, yeah, I just really like hearing people's stories. I think they're super interesting. I think sometimes people don't, they're not, like, looking for a best friend that day. They're just looking for someone to talk to. And even if they're not, like, sometimes they're just looking for a smile, like a friendly face. And that's something that was really important to me whenever I moved to New York of finding a way to connect with people whenever everything felt so apathetic. That's real. Uh, When was the last time that you went to Peru out of curiosity? In college, sophomore year. Got you. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it must be interesting to have gone back at that older age, having grown up there at the start of your life. And also I would imagine that now, you know, being removed from college a few years, it'd be, it'd be fun to go back again. Yeah, I would love to go back. And whenever I went back in college, I went back for a month. But honestly, when I went back in college, like it was really impactful for a lot of different ways and like getting to like re-see different cities and different people that I that I knew that I grew up with. Um, that like very specifically remembered me, remembered my name, remembered things that I had completely forgotten about. But one of the coolest things for me was going back and seeing what my parents had built 
And not just like, not in terms of like physical property, but in terms of relationship with people. And it was so humbling to be like 19 years old and get start getting like really judgy about the way my parents raised us. And then to go back and be like, oh my God, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God, there's people that like, because my parents, it would always make me so mad. My mom would always give away all of our shit. <laughs> like if my, like if we had like my, my mom shared like a hair straightener or something and my mom met someone that didn't have a hair straightener, I knew we would not have a hair straightener that oh, night. That's love. That's love. And it used to make me so mad, Eric. <laughs> I know it's not fair. But, like, in college, I, like, paid for my own school. And that semester in college, I was, like, really struggling. I was working a lot. And I couldn't... It's not that I couldn't ask my parents to help. It's just that I didn't want it to be, like, if they couldn't, to feel bad because they had to tell me they couldn't. So I didn't want to ask. And that started... Like, I started just planting seeds of bitterness and resentment inside of me and I went back to Peru and I went and I met all these people that I had like grown up with and I started like remembering things like these people's like their house like was made of hay the last time we were here and in rainy season would get infested with tarantulas <laughs> and um scary. yeah I, honestly it was scary and I'll tell you that story another time <laughs> but um then they would be like, oh, yeah, your parents sent me, sent us money so that we could get a roof. And then, like, a few months later, they sent us money so we could get a floor. Wow. Um, and, like, all of these people. And then, like, saying that, like, their par like their kid was sick and they didn't have enough money to, like, take a bus into the nearest city to go to the hospital. And my parents sent them money. And I was so bitter in high school about, like, having to share a room with three of my siblings when the money that my parents used wasn't to give extravagant gifts to people. It was to just help their everyday lives and also sometimes literally just means of survival. And that was something that was really beautiful and really, really humbling. And I thought, if I can give the world a fraction of what my parents have given and the lessons that they've taught me in leading by example. Whether or not I disagree with like their politics or their, you know, religious views or whatever, I think I'll be okay.